Charting Toward Intimacy covers mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey there, welcome to Charting Toward Intimacy, where we're expanding the natural family planning conversation. I'm your host, Ellen Holloway. I am so excited to share this episode with you. This is a crossover episode with the ladies from the Hormone Genius Podcast, which is a fantastic podcast um, in a similar space as Charting Toward Intimacy. And I'm not going to introduce the lovely ladies because uh, we do introductions on the episode itself. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this incredible episode today. This is a very special episode of two podcasts joining together. Uh, Jamie and I are here with a very special guest, Ellen Holloway. And of course, we are the host, Jamie and I, of the Hormone Genius Podcast. But we're doing a combined podcast with Ellen, who hosts a podcast called Charting Towards Intimacy. And this is really fun. We've never done this before. So we're going to see how this goes. We're all very passionate about the same thing. And so we want to drive home a lot of things that we're passionate about today and continue to spread the mission that women really should be empowered to be the genius of their own hormones and their feminine design. So thanks, Ellen, for being here with us today. Yeah, this is so exciting. I've never done this before either. And um yeah. So I just like, I love when we were talking before, we're like, so like who, who introduces, who talks about what, you know, <laughs> how does this even work? Yep. <laughs> so welcome to uh, our first ever trial at a combined episode. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ellen, so let us introduce you, or how about you introduce yourself and then we'll introduce ourselves to your listeners and vice versa. So Ellen, will you just introduce yourself quick um, to the Hormone Genius podcast listeners and then we'll do the same. Yeah, definitely. So uh, like Teresa said, I am the host of Charting Toward Intimacy and our goal on that podcast is to expand the natural family planning conversation, um, specifically from a Catholic perspective. Um natural family planning and fertility awareness, I became so passionate about because I didn't start out my marriage, um, with natural family planning. And I didn't really understand, um, the benefits. I didn't understand, um, also just like the Catholic teachings behind that. Um, and once I started to learn about one, how bad the pill was for me Two how fantastic a fertility awareness is. I just fell in love. And so did my husband and, um, we became instructors and, um, and then I started a podcast and now I talk about it every week. And, um, and now it comes up in like everyday conversations with like random friends, secular or not, like I just start jumping in. It's kind of like word vomit sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to hold back sometimes when we're, Uh (laughs) absolutely. Um, thanks, Ellen, for introducing yourself. Uh, and so I'll introduce myself and then we'll have Teresa introduce herself quick to to your listeners. But I'm a fertility care practitioner with the Creighton Method and I've been a, a practitioner for eight years. I also have my own business called fiatliving.org, where we really getting to the root cause of what may be causing hormone imbalance to support hormones naturally. And yeah, Teresa and I, we started this journey in August basically as complete strangers, almost. (laughs) We knew of each other. We've had some conversations, but it's been so fun because a goal of our podcast has not only been sharing um, what we know with others, the super important message, again, that women don't know or understand always Mm -hmm. because we're not told, same thing with men, Um, but also to get to know each other um, Mm -hmm. for our listeners too. It's just kind of been so fun. 
so that's a little bit about me. I live in Iowa, um, husband, three, soon to be four children, and just really honored and excited for this partnership here with this podcast episode. So Teresa, do you want to introduce yourself to real Absolutely. quick? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm Teresa Kenny, and I am a woman's health nurse practitioner, and I've been practicing for 20 years in Omaha, Nebraska. And I specialize as a medical consultant in NAPRO technology, which is basically just looking at women's health in a different way and trying to uh, understand the underlying root cause of disease instead of kind of suppressing over the top of problems. So um, that's been a passion of mine for years, and I love doing it every day of my life. Um, And this podcast has really come at an incredible time for me because after you've built up 20 years of experience, just listening to women, honestly, just listening to their Mm -hmm. stories, you just have an incredible amount of experience of knowing where the hearts of women are. And, um, you know, I just wanted to share that. And I've, you know, had a lot of students that have followed me throughout the years and just teaching them. I'm like, why don't, why don't I give this to more people and a podcast right now is the, is a great and free way to give um, information that you think is important. And so I'm just so excited to be able to do this. Um, It's reaching a lot of people I know on our platform and I'm sure on yours, Ellen. So this is a way to reach more people by combining two different podcasts together. And um, yeah, so thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, so fun. And I'm, I'm so excited to talk about like what we want to talk about today, um, which really is like, why is it that the pill is prescribed for everything? Because guess what, ladies, you're not broken. You're fertile. (laughs) And fertility is not a disease. It is not a disease. (laughs) It's not a disease. I know. I think about that a lot. I think about how, you know, pills and medication often are, are taken for things that are, you know, not, healthy with, you know, in us, you know, that are, I don't want to say wrong with us, but you know, if something is, you know, disordered or needs support, we take a pill um, as medication. And so really it's interesting and kind of head scratching and mind boggling that we're taking a pill for something that actually is correct. And we're creating disorder with a system that is orderly. So yeah, we're going to really dig into this episode today, have a conversation um, and really get to the root of, you know, why is it that for so many different health issues, we're getting this one pill. Um, and so by the end of this episode, we hope that you just ask yourself that question. Like, well, why is that? Why is that? I want to start with a story, if you guys don't yeah. mind, because this yeah. just happened because I just love like, again, experiences that I have in my practice. So um, yesterday I had uh, is a student um, and she's like, came up to me and she's like, I need you to help me with this. And she had written all this stuff on a piece of paper. And it was like the age of a person and their symptoms. Um, and there was like all common kind of hormonal symptoms. And she had all these lab numbers written down. And she's like, I just want you to help me with this. So I'm like, okay, fun, you know? Um, so I'm talking her through everything and talking her through what I think and what I think should be done, da, da, da. And then she stopped at the very end. She's like, great. Thank you so much. She's like, cause this is me. And I was like, oh, I'm like, well, that's fun. I'm like, I'm so glad you didn't tell me. Cause I'm like, I probably would have thought of it differently had I known that. And, um, she goes, I had gone to my OBGYN and I had said, I feel terrible. I feel tired all the time. I can barely get through my days. I stopped my period in July. I haven't had it since. I don't know why. I have all of these symptoms. And the doctor looked at me and said, 
and weight gain was one of them. She couldn't lose weight to save her life. She was eating practically nothing. And the doctor just said, well, you're premenopausal. Premenopause makes you fat. And she's like, you know, just go on your way. And she said, the only thing I can give you is the pill. And the woman was like, well, I've never been on the pill. I don't really want to be on the pill. Why would you give me the pill? And this woman's like in her forties. She's like, well, because some people feel better on it. I mean, she's like, no, no real rational medical reason for it. It's just, well, that's what I got. That's all I got for you people. <laughs> I've got, I've got two oh. things in my pocket for you. One's a birth control pill and one's like an antidepressant. That's, and that's all I got. So she was really frustrated and she had no explanation of what the underlying lab numbers that she had drawn. She, and when I looked at her, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I can tell you exactly what's going on, but her doctor couldn't. Um, so that's the common kind of frustration that women feel when they go to an OBGYN that's not trained to kind of see the woman's body in her natural state, right? To know and understand that women's fertility, their cycle is a complex hormonal event every single month. And if you don't understand how that all works and you don't understand the intricate details of that, you also don't understand what to do with it. And that's, that's the Mm -hmm. problem we live in. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's just like a lack, there's just such a lack of knowledge in, um, in the world of like gynecology, um, which is baffling, honestly. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I had heard this story of, um, this man who was going, who was in med school and, um, they get to the, like, you know, OBGYN section of their, uh, course. And, um, and it's like, oh, if this happens, prescribe the pill, if this happens, prescribe the pill, you know, and the litany of prescribe the pill. Um, and he's like, he like stops and, and he asks the teacher, he's like, that doesn't really make sense because like everything else has a different, um, you know, prescription, like every other facet of our medical degree that we're learning, and like every other part of the body, like you don't prescribe, um, for an eye infection, like the same thing that you would for like a fungal infection on your toe. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like, he actually like saw that mm-hmm. and realized like, this doesn't really make sense. And so like, I think when we step back and look at that, it's like, okay, PCOS prescribe the pill, acne prescribe the pill. Those are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, it's so, it's so confusing, but I really do think, and I see it and it gives me great hope that, you know, there are leaders rising up, um, whether they're medical or not. And they're saying, okay, women, like there is another option. And so it's so beautiful to see that there is almost like this movement, um, spreading across kind of our culture, maybe others as well that says like, Hey, we don't actually need to put synthetic harm you know, hormones into our body. And of course we know that we've heard it a million times, you know, we're going to the grocery store and we're buying organic meat and cheese and milk, yet we're spoon feeding ourselves synthetic hormones, which is thousands of times more (laughs) um, harmful in a sense than these, you know, meat, cheese, whatever is that have the, the hormones in those. So anyway, what's great is I think women are starting to wake up to this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think our next step is, okay, we're starting to wake up and we're starting to come up with these natural options 
But because of the power frame of doctors and medical professionals, now the second step is we need to demand it. It's supply and demand. Mm -hmm. If we're not demanding it, we're not going to get it. So we might know, we might intuitively know, we might be, you know, communicating that desire and need with our friends and sisters and community members, providing resources ourselves. But until we demand it, um, we will not get the supply. (laughs) So I think about that a lot. Um, we need to start really asking our doctors, you know, because that's Teresa and I, we see this a lot. Um, but when we do start having these conversations with doctors, many times, if it's an open, if a doctor who's open and willing to learn, they'll explore it. And also then many times they may just go and decide to get trained, you know, in a natural system. Right. Because, and I, I'm, I've mentioned this on my podcast before, and I I'm sure that you guys have probably talked about it too, but like the doctor thinks they're doing the right thing for you. Like this is what they've been trained to do. Um, it's just a lack of, of knowledge and education. It's not because they want to prescribe the pill to you and want all of the negative side effects to happen to you. Um, they probably became a doctor because they want to help people and they think they're helping you. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, it, it, it really does take a little bit of bravery in the doctor's office. And I think that's something that just culturally, we're not really taught to um, advocate for ourselves when we're sitting in that doctor's office. And it can be, it can be scary because we don't always go to the, do- I mean, some people regularly go to the doctor, but like, you know, if you're just sort of like normal person living your life, like, maybe two times a year. Like, um, and so like max probably maybe once a year, maybe not even in the past five years. (laughs) Um, and, and so it can be, you know, disheartening to kind of sit there in, um, a weird robe and somebody just like touched your boobs because they're going to (laughs) like make sure that you don't have any lumps, which is good. Um, and, uh, like, and you're kind of like, oh, well, I don't really want to talk about like these intimate details. And, um, I don't really want to like get her off her game and, um, all of that, but we need to do that. We need to step up. We need to advocate for ourselves. We need to be brave in the doctor's office and we need to know what we know. We need to respect our bodies and say, I know that this is not something I want. I know that the pill isn't something I want and I need better healthcare than that. Yeah. Well, and the first step is always that what we can do as women doesn't take a prescription. It doesn't take a degree. It it just takes us finding the right resources to learn our own body. And so, you know, the starting point is we're all passionate about women learning how to track their own fertility signs, Mm -hmm. because that's where the empowerment starts. Because if you yourself understand what's going on and you can tie your own irregularities to your body and you can put all the pieces together yourself and how your body's working and how it's not working right, then you're already armed, you know, to go into the doctor's office and say, listen, I know what's going on. I know I'm not depressed. I know that these things are happening at certain times in my cycle. And I really want to explore what the underlying root cause of this is and please help me with that. I don't want to take it just a medicine to bandaid over the top. So um, I know you mentioned, Ellen, that you're uh, a charting instructor. What method are you um, teaching or if you are still teaching and kind of where is your education in that? Yeah. So I teach the symptothermal method through SymptoPro. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, and, and one of the things that I talk about, um, especially when like a very common instance, when, uh, the question comes up of like, what kind of birth control do you want, um, is postpartum. And so, uh, the thing that I really pr- propose to women when that question comes up is, um, instead of saying, oh, well, like I no, I don't want that. Like I, I chart my cycle or like, no, I don't want that. I use NFP. Like be specific. No, thank you. I don't want the pill or a hormonal contraceptive because I use the symptothermal method to track my cycle and, uh, plan my family, you know, and, and just really like, um, showing that you're not just like willy nilly doing this because that's what the doctor kind of thinks, <laughs> you're doing when you say, Oh, I, I use NFP. Oh, I, I chart my cycle. I, you know, it's like, Oh, well then I'll see you back here in six months, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something I think a lot of listeners and people just in general wonder, um, is, you know, they're, they're maybe listening to this and they're convicted and they're like, yeah, I mean, this makes sense. I, I get it. I mean, I, I understand why putting something synthetic in my body that's super potent would be harmful and how it would interrupt the symphony of hormones that affect basically every function in my body. Like, I think that we do a good job um, convincing women of that or showing that. Uh, but I think that something that always comes up time and time again is this thought of, well, what about my husband though? Mm. You know, if, if I'm going to practice a natural system, that would mean, and if we're avoiding pregnancy, that would mean that there'd be a time of fertility in my cycle where my husband and I, we do not have sex with each other um, to avoid pregnancy. You know, we're, we're figuring that out, but my husband is not like that. He's not going to be open to that. He's not whatever. Or maybe you yourself, you're like, no, because that's when I feel like I want to have sex the most is when I'm during that, you know, but of course, if we're not ovulating on the pill, we don't really have that feeling anyway. You know what I'm saying? So I want to kind of dig into this one a little bit. Uh, what do we tell women? What can we tell women who have that hesitation? This all seems convincing, but it's not realistic for me. Or this all seems convincing, but my daughter, she's 18 or she's 20. She's in college. She's on the pill. She's not going to do that. You know, so let's kind of open that up. That one's a tricky one, but I know it's what like a lot of people are thinking right now. Yes. Oh, that's it's. And it's honestly the biggest, um, stumbling block for using fertility awareness, because we're literally asking one of the hardest things for a woman to do when you want it most don't have sex. (laughs) Or if you do just know that pregnancy may occur and, and that's what I think is important. And it's actually why I brought this up is, um, you know, we think about the root cause a lot. What's the root cause of my, you know, medical issue in which I'm being prescribed the pill for, but what's the root cause of that? Which is a great question to ask whenever I get that question from anybody like, okay, well, my husband though, or, you know, I'm not married and I don't want kids right now. I think, well, what's the root of that? Like, how can we address whatever's going on that insecurity before the pill conversation even begins? Mm -hmm. So it takes me back to a time um, where our local hospital it's a Catholic hospital and it's great because they have just come, I think a couple years ago, they um, no longer are prescribing contraception unless for various reasons, which that's a whole other conversation. Um, but this question, a lot of the doctors had was, well, what about the woman who's being raped by her husband? 
What about the woman who's being used as an object and she's going to get pregnant? So it's a double duo like used and now she's pregnant with this baby she doesn't want. So this was a question that kept coming up. But the answer is this. We need to get that woman help. Like we need to remove her from the situation by continually giving this woman the pill. We are exacerbating or however you say that word, this issue. We need to get to the root of what's causing that. It's very hard and it's a challenge big time. But I do think that while there's also, you know, we know medically there's root causes, there's also root causes in terms of like our mental health, our emotional health, our relationships that really should be the focus of those questions, I think. Right. And like, I think if you, if you go back to like the question of like, well, I don't think my husband's on board. Okay. Well, you know, why do you know why? Like, have you talked to your husband about it? Um, and, and really like diving into those conversations, my 18 year old, no, she's just not going to do that. Well, have you really talked to her about it? Have you had that really hard conversation um, cause yeah, these aren't like super easy, you know, <laughs> five minute time, conversations. I mean, don't you think it's that if it were the husband, I mean, again, he may not know anything about women's fertility. So there may be a lack of understanding of really how long the fertile window is and how mm-hmm. long a couple needs to abstain. There's just, there is a lot that goes into kind of the understanding of it. And to Jamie's point too, no woman wants to be used you know, and so we really, as women need to ask ourselves in our relationship with our um, spouses, that is the, the act that we're, you know, coming together in, is it something where we're feeling used or something where we're coming together and feeling loved? Because love is where you will the get the good of someone else completely. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of situations with sex where that doesn't happen. You know, we know that it's a, a broken thing a lot of times, not a complete and whole thing. But the goal for all of us is to feel that wholeness, that love that really unites us together fully. And and that's what we know that in a respectful kind of relationship like this, when both the man and the woman are expecting the fertility cycle, that the relationship is growing in love in a Mm -hmm. sense, because there's a respect for the human body. There's a respect for its natural design, but there's a respect for the human person in that, that just sometimes cannot occur when you completely try to ignore the fact that the human body is designed this way. And even in the situation of the woman being used significantly being raped, um, the pill will eventually fail that woman. So it's never, something you can guarantee also that, oh, well, if you just do this, then you'll never get hurt. Well, we know that's not true. That's why 50% of women who were on a contraceptive do end up in an unplanned pregnancy because they don't work, especially in situations where things are already broken to begin with. Mm -hmm. So then we've just set them up for even an equally kind of kind of tragic situation when they think they did the wrong right thing and then it failed against them as well. Mm -hmm. Totally. Right. Well, and I think, um, just like stepping back even further, like culturally we, um, we've created sex into just being like this recreational thing, but like it's to make babies like it is. And so I think we need to understand that as a culture that like, this is not just, a source of pleasure. Yes, sex is pleasurable. It's designed to be that way, but it's also designed to make babies. Mm -hmm. And so like, 
the reason you're abstaining is because no, we don't want a child right now for one reason or another. Um, and, and so we understand that we need to not have sex right now because like, that's kind of one of the major points of sex is to make a child. Um, and you know, I think that's like something that's really missing in, um, (laughs) sex education. We, we could talk about sex education all, all day. Um, but like just really understanding, like, it's not a recreational thing. It's a real serious thing that like, and no, we don't need to yell at someone like in mean girls, like, you know, if you have sex, then you will get pregnant and die. Um, (laughs) that's not necessarily true. Um, but like, like there's just this disconnect of one of the primary functions of sex, like in our society. And there's like a confusion, like when a woman gets pregnant, it's like, I don't know how I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You had sex. Mm-hmm. And so therefore like that created a baby. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. And I, I think too, like, and I, I totally understand this because with sex, there's bonding and there's cortisol release and there's, wait, is that right? Cortisol? Oxytocin. Cortisol? Oxytocin. Stress. No. Well, maybe in some cases, stressful. Oxytocin. It is what I'm thinking. Exactly. Anyway, oxytocin. So that bonding um, is happening. And so, you know, it makes sense. It, it does. It does. It does. It makes sense that the earliest we engage in sexual activity, especially as women, that the more likely we are going to feel more bonded to those we have sex with. Mm-hmm. And And if we don't know any other way to express love or emotion, that that is exactly how we're going to feel like we need to. But, but while that's the case um, and while our body was made for bonding in that way, which is why it happens, it's, it's, it's unfortunate and something that I think our job as, you know, women in our thirties, forties and beyond to really educate young women to say, okay, listen, here's the deal though. If you want to get married someday, like sex can't be the only way you bond with your husband. You can't because 98%, 99.5% of your time is going to be spent in your life, not having sex. And so how are you <laughs> going to bond with your husband? How are you going to grow your relationship? You're not having sex. So you need practice. You need practice at, like for your future self and for your future marriage. How are you going to bond without that? So in a sense, I think that's what happens. It's why sex in this issue of we're separating sex from baby is because of that bonding, which is one of the two things that sex does bring. Um, So it's, yeah, like you're saying, Ellen, it's like bringing that baby reality back into the picture, but also empowering our young girls. Like there are more ways than sex to be intimate with one another. Um, You know, there's emotional and there's communicative and there's spiritual ways to, to be intimate with one another and giving women that, that permission in a sense and educating the man and, you know, the boyfriend or whatever for that too. Right. And that's what that sister, Hannah Klaus, you know, a teen star, that program, it's, it's what she really found in young women, particularly that if a woman is connected to her biological realities, like the function of her fertility cycle and the ability for it to procreate, like she's much more likely to respect it. You know, Mm -hmm. if you don't understand I mean, you just don't understand why you shouldn't engage in something like this, that where it can be really negative um, to bond in that way when you're not prepared for a child. Right. But um, the education is key and it's, it's the lack of what we give people in sex education that 
it doesn't form that, you know, self-awareness, that interconnectedness with our own fertility. And so we, we just don't have that deep respect for it then. And she, she proved in her studies, even with high risk youth that, you know, that women would step away because no woman wants to be used. Right. But once mm-hmm. she's in a situation of being used because of what you said, Jamie, because the bonding hormone is so strong, it's a lot of times even more difficult for a woman to get out of a relationship that she doesn't want to even be in because she's now bonded herself in a chemical way yep. so significantly to another human being that she, she really struggles to disconnect from that, even though she may feel it's toxic and she, she knows she's being used. This is, this is the design of, of the natural law so that when a, a couple came together in intercourse and made a child, they would stay with that child. The, these are not just, oh, I chose something or not chose something. These are strong kind of evolutionary human natural lawness things that, mm-hmm. that make it so that people care for their children, that societies function and flourish as, as normal societies. And so we have to respect that. We also have to understand why then it gets totally messed up. And you could say like right now, there is a, a really big problem in our culture with understanding what the building blocks of our culture should be when it relates to marriage, family, sex, the, the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I, I, what you're saying is ringing true so much um, as, you know, I have a daughter who's eight, but she's not going to be eight forever. (laughs) I'm just so thankful um, again, that there are women like us and others who really are going to start pouring into our young girls. And maybe as you're listening, you're a mother of a, of a young girl in college, or you're like, well, my daughter is past her formation years in terms of how you can help them. Um, the great thing is this, so podcasts exist, which is great. And planting seeds are wonderful. And even though you may think as a parent, maybe for your college daughter or high school daughter, that they won't listen to this podcast or other resources you share. I I just have a feeling they might, um, especially if this daughter of yours, again, I'm speaking to the parents struggle with other things, hormone related or mood swings, or you can tell like, you know, maybe she's in an unhealthy relationship. I just have a feeling that maybe if you just share this information with your daughters, that they might listen when it's the right time. Um, So I just wanted to throw that out there too. Yeah, definitely. You know, it never hurts um, to, to share information. It never hurts to, um, to reach out. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's also, it's never too late to like change. It's never too late to stop using the pill. Like it's yeah, it's never too late for any of those things. It's mm-hmm. funny is we started this episode. We started this episode with like, why do we prescribe the pill for every yeah. single thing? <laughs> and then like, it didn't end up that way, but I actually really liked the way this one went um, because it's probably what needed to be discussed in terms of that. But I guess kind of bringing it back to that main anchor point of, you know, prescribing one thing for all of it. Um, let's like kind of bring that one thing home. Um, and we can relate it to what we just talked about too, about, you know, just relationships and and that kind of thing. So what do we want to leave our listeners taking back with them, um, in regards to the pill being prescribed for everything, but then also how there's a better way when we can understand our body. Well, I think you said it, Jamie, at the very beginning, before we started recording is that you, or maybe it was you, Ellen, just the, the stop and think. 
stop and think first. And I, and I think this is kind of the step sometimes because of the way we are in medicine and under like believing that the doctor just wants what's best for us and he knows what's best or she knows what's best. We don't stop and think. Mm-hmm. And so we want to think about, okay, what is this medicine actually going to do for me? Does it just, um, you know, bandaid over the symptom or is it actually going to fix my problem? What is my problem? Do I actually know what the problem is to begin with? Because if the doctor said, oh yeah, well, I get you have all that, but, and they never told you what the problem was, but gave you just a treatment for it. Stop and think, did I get a diagnosis first? Did I understand why I have that diagnosis? Cause so many times in women's health, we don't actually get that information before we're offered this medication. Stop mm-hmm. and think, does this medication have side effects? Did I ask about the side effects? What are the severe side effects of this medication? What are the short-term side effects of the medication? What are the long-term side effects of this medication? Did I ask those questions? Stop and think, mm-hmm. you know, and then ask yourself, did I know how my body works to begin with? Mm-hmm. Can I connect my symptoms to my cycle? If I can't, if I don't even know what cervical mucus is or what the point of cervical mucus is, I've got a problem with my connection to my own body, which we have to believe that it's our own bodies that we should care about most. No one else lives in our body. Your doctor doesn't live in your body. It's you who has to care for your own body your whole life. So you have the most skin in the game when it comes to it. Stop and think whether or not you really deserve, you know, this type of care or an alternative type of care. And then know that you have the resources out there to help you. Mm-hmm. Are they everywhere? No. And I'm sorry about that. It, it, they're a lot harder to find, but more and more, there are people who want to help you in an alternative way to give you a diagnosis and an alternative to just suppressive medications. So if you don't know of who to you know, reach out to, start with us in these two podcasts and we will guide you further because there are people that can help you. Mm-hmm. So that would ha- be how I would approach it. Totally. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I wanted to mention before we ended is like, as I was preparing for this episode, I literally Google searched, why is the pill prescribed for everything? And what I found was all of these websites just toting the magical miracleness of the pill, like literally just like, oh, it's this like great thing that it works for everything. And if you, again, if you stop and think like that doesn't make sense that there exists this magical miracle pill that fixes everything. And, you know, we know that it doesn't fix anything (laughs) and, and it in fact breaks down or pauses or stops really important things. Um, but just, uh, yeah, that stop and think, just, just do that. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a judgment on anyone on the pill too, you know, just so you know, we're not trying to be like, Oh, it's so bad if you're on the pill. And because again, it legitimately can help a lot of people's symptoms. And we understand that, but what we want women to know first and foremost, that it's your choice. So if you choose to be on it, that's certainly it's your body. It's your choice to be able to do that. But most women don't know there's an alternative. And that's the key thing here is that we want them to understand there is an alternative choice if they wanted it and it may be healthier for them and it may give them more answers. So, yeah. And most women will choose a natural system when given the option. 
most mm-hmm. women. And and I, if I can find it, listeners, I will post it. But I did actually research on this, so I know for sure <laughs> there's an actual research article. And again, I'm going to try my best to find it. Um, where it was asked if if a natural system was given to you at the doctor, um, would you have thought about it? Would you have entertained it? Would you have considered it? And most women, I think, it was like 85 percent said, yeah, because <laughs> it's never given to them as an option. Yeah. Um, so anyway, thank you, Ellen and Teresa for spending time with me today. And um, we hope and pray that our listeners um, really were able to pull out some nuggets that they can just think on and share with their friends that they stop and ask themselves, okay, why is the pill being at? Why is the pill being offered to me, you know, every single time I have an issue and don't be afraid to ask your doctor. You know, why, why is this what you're offering me? How will this help my problem? And then ask too for further resources um, to learn more about the cycle. If they don't know, again, like Teresa said, reach out to one of us, Ellen or um, myself, Teresa, and we can get you connected to somebody who can help you with your cycle. So, all right. Well, thanks ladies for spending time with me. Thanks listeners. Be sure to share this and have a great day. Thanks so much for listening. If you're interested in learning more about the Hormone Genius podcast, I put a link to their website in the show notes so you can check out their podcast as well. And if you're not already following Charting Toward Intimacy on Instagram, go ahead and find us at Charting Toward Intimacy. And you can also reach out with questions, comments, or episode suggestions. Until next time.